Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the OBR. Uh, it's a Friday night roundtable. We are uh, now the Thursday night roundtable. We need to get in there and change that. But uh, I'm going to be your host for tonight, Ian McBride. Corey, uh, our usual host, uh, has some personal matters to attend to, as does uh, Stephen Thomas. So you get to deal with me tonight uh, and my uh, my sort of haphazard preparation for this. Uh, just a quick disclaimer at the front. Uh, I am usually the person who does all the stuff behind the scenes, throwing up the uh, graphic packages we have prepared. So I'm going to have to do both tonight. We may have a couple of issues here and there. Hopefully nothing too bad uh, as, the, as the show goes on. Um, but we're going to start out today uh, talking about the New England Patriots coming up. Uh, last week was a fantastic win for the first time, really, that we've seen this Browns team kind of do everything on both sides of the ball. Uh, it was great to see. Uh, a, a really, really defining win for this team, and uh, they, they're hopefully going to keep going on it uh, this week against the New England Patriots. We're going to start the show, as always, by bringing in our insider, Brad Stainbook. Brad, uh, let's quickly go over the injury report to start. Not as lengthy as in past weeks, but still a couple names on there to watch. Uh, what do you got for us? Absolutely. Uh, so Harrison Bryant, he's been limited this week with some thigh issues. Uh, he's been limited, and, and that's usually a good sign if they're limited uh, both days. So uh, I, I wouldn't watch for him to be you know any concern there. Uh, Jadavion Clowney, he's, again, he's banged up all season. Ankle, ankle and a knee, according to the injury report. Limited again, good sign. Uh, past couple weeks, he hasn't even been able to practice, so this is a really good sign. Uh, there. Miles Garrett, here's something maybe to keep an eye on. Uh, he's dealing with a foot injury. It was actually mentioned in the very end of the Browns radio broadcast signing off from uh, um, signing off last week. Uh, Jim Donovan mentioned that Miles Garrett was walking slowly, limping into the locker room. Uh, and ever since he has not practiced, uh, uh, and he speaks to the media on Friday. So uh, that's his day to speak to the media. So it's going to be interesting to watch. Um, Malik Jackson's dealing with a knee injury. He's he, he's battling through it. But another name to watch is uh, Jarvis Landry knee. Of course, you know he he was activated off IR a few weeks ago. Uh, he's still not a hundred percent, but he's he's battling through it. Uh, Baker Mayfield again, left shoulder, foot injury. He uh, uh, the foot was actually just added. Uh, AVP said he's banged up, but he's it's nothing he's never seen before, and you know he'll be uh, fine. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, this was a little concerning based on, you know, the COVID problems the Browns are having. Twitter was kind of freaking out. I'm told the Browns held him out for precautionary reasons. He's okay. He's going to play on Sunday. Uh, the team was uh, listening as a personal reason. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Greedy Williams' shoulder limited both days. Uh, unfortunately, it's the same shoulder he was dealing with last season. Um, so a little concern there, but he's been limited uh, both days. Uh, JOK not listed on the injury report. Is he going to be good to go? Uh, so he's actually not on the injury report because he was just designated return. So act, uh, technically he's not on the 53 man roster. Uh, Joe Woods did say today that there is some hope. Uh, you know, he did speak to the media, I believe sometime this week, uh, JOK and, you know, he wants to play, but uh, of course the Browns are going to bring him on slowly. Uh, we will know for sure his game status uh, Saturday at four o'clock when the Browns would have to, that is the deadline if JOK would 
uh, were to play Sunday in uh, Foxborough, he would be have to activated uh, uh, Saturday at 4 p.m. Okay. Uh, we have the two big uh, pieces of news this week were the contract extensions for Wyatt Teller and Joel Batonio. Those are both going to run through the next uh, next four years, I believe, because um, Joel was already signed through this coming year, so they had three years on top of that. What are the terms for those deals? Yeah, so uh, I'm guessing the linemen are pretty happy that Odell is gone because they're getting his money. Um, Wyatt Teller... Uh, while the news was still, while Cleveland was still talking about OBJ, Andrew Barry was secretly uh, negotiating with Andrew, uh, Andrew uh, Wyatt Teller, excuse me, his agent, uh, and he agreed to a four-year fifth uh, worth up to fifty-six million dollars. Uh, that that's really um, you know a good deal all around for both parties. And then of course Joe Batonio, three-year, forty-eight million dollars. Uh, so the Browns are really investing in the offensive line, and uh, you know I think they should. Obviously, it's been paying off for them, and uh, now they made a big commitment to um, pretty much the majority of the offensive line is under contract uh, for the next couple of years. Of course, J.C. Treader is you know a player to watch, but um, over in the off season. But uh, you know we got time to talk about that. Absolutely. Uh, anything else you got for us? Uh oh, just one other thing. I'm told, even though uh, Andrew Barry has been uh, negotiating with a lot of players, of course, you know, White Teller and Joe Batonio are the two that got contracts this week. I'm told uh, there is still no significant talks between Andrew Barry and uh, Baker Mayfield's representatives about a contract extension. Seems like, again, they're going to wait for the offseason to address that one. Yeah, it makes sense considering Baker's been a little bit up and down this year. Uh, and you know his his camp might want to see what the new cap is going to be. Cap expected to go up this off season, so Absolutely. maybe waiting for that. Yep. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time, Brad. Uh, nice to see you as always, and uh, we'll talk to you a little bit on Sunday. I'm sure. Yep. Yep. I'll see you guys. See you there. All right. Next up, we're going to bring in our beat reporter, the legend Fred Greetham. Fred, how are you doing? Hey. Good. Good evening, Ian. Doing good. Nice to see you. Uh, you have been banging a couple of different drums about the Browns over the past couple of weeks, and one of the one of the big ones was, despite the uh, defense really improving in terms of the amount of points given up, they needed to get some turnovers. Uh, boy, did they on uh, on Sunday. Denzel Ward and uh, John Johnson, you'll credit them with, I guess, a turnover and a half apiece, because uh, John Johnson had the interception and the forced fumble. Denzel Ward tipped that interception and then also had one of his own. Uh, how big was that for the Browns, and do they need to keep doing that going forward? How is important? How important is it to do that, uh, even if you're giving up 17 points a game, to still give up, to still grab these turnovers? Yeah, I think it's huge. Um, you know, they they scored 13 points off those turnovers directly, and also figured in they took points off the board for the Bengals, who would have they were on the three yard line of the Browns, so you got to figure if they didn't get a touchdown, they'd get a field goal. So, you know, that, that really set the tone and sometimes it's contagious and, and hopefully that's, you know, what got them going in that game. It just kind of kept going. They had three, they actually had four. Anthony Walker had an interception on a tip ball, but it was uh, negated because of a, a penalty, but you know, and, John Johnson talked about that today and just the idea that, and even Walker, that it got him going and jump started. Obviously, it was a, a big, big play in the game by Denzel Ward. So, as far as going forward, I think that's their recipe. I mean, they've been giving up fewer points. They gave up just 41 points in the th last three weeks. Um, 
you know, the most they've given up is like 16 points. And that was against the Bengals in the last three games. So, but, but was missing was those turnovers. They were, they went into last week's game minus three and they got three, didn't turn it over. So now they're even, but that moved them up to 17th in the league. And I just think that's the recipe. That's the biggest difference between last year's defense and this year's defense. Last year's defense gave up more points a game, 26 points a game, which isn't good. This year's, you know, defense given up under 22, but the difference is they weren't taking it away. If they can take the ball away, you know, it's proven the statistics that if you're ahead in the, in the ratio of turnover takeaways, you win the majority of the time. So they've been focused on it and they talked about it today is they just got to keep it going. I think that again will be a big, a big key, you know, when they go up to new England this weekend. So the defense has been ranked well as far as statistics, but sometimes that doesn't tell the whole tale. I mean, they're third giving up 309 yards a game, third in rushing defense, 84 yards a game, ninth in, in pass defense, 224. So they're in the top 10 in everything. But the difference is those turnovers. When you're 17th, you're right in the middle of the pack. So they just want to keep doing that. And it's contagious and they can build off that. So I think that's a big thing with the defense. Big jolt this week with JOK coming back. Um, you know, I heard you talking with Brad. He's been designated for return, but Joe Woods, Joe Woods said he's very optimistic that he will play this week. And the, the everybody I've talked to said they expect him to be right back in the lineup. So if he can pick up where he left off before he was hurt, he was really kind of ascending and looked like he was comfortable enough to to really start making a difference. And then he got hurt. So Hopefully it doesn't take him long to get back into the flow of things. Similar to DPJ, he was really coming along before he had the groin injury. And you wondered last week, you know, how long it would take him. Well, it didn't take him long. He had two big plays in the game. So hopefully you can get that out of JOK and hopefully they can disguise some things. Mac Jones is playing very well, but he's a rookie. And he hasn't seen everything, and it's up to Joe Woods to continue to be aggressive. He talked today about consistency. You know, they've been up and down. You know, I, these last three games have been pretty consistent, and I think that they're going to need maybe another Broncos-type performance. They need the defense to step up this week because the Patriots, you know, are sneakily one of the – more high scoring teams in the league. They're 10th right now, about 26 a game. And, and so the Browns defense has to try to keep them off the board because with, with the back situation, um, you don't know if you're going to get uh, Nick Chubb back or Felton and uh, Dearness Johnson, you know, I can see a very similar pattern to the Broncos game. Hopefully keep the the Patriots offense, you know, under 20 points and then see if you can outscore them. So that's kind of the top to bottom on the defense. Got a story on the defense working on. It'll come out tomorrow morning. And uh, there's where we're at. Absolutely. JOK is, is going to be huge if he can come back. Um, obviously, with the rookie quarterback, the Patriots aren't really looking to push the ball down the field as much. They're going to work the middle of that field with their two tight ends and with Jacoby Myers a lot. So having 
uh, a linebacker can cover that middle of the field is going to be huge. Um, let's talk about another one of the things that you were kind of uh, banging the desk about, which was uh, using Nick Chubb in the passing game, which they, they did on Sunday. Um, obviously, a bunch of question marks uh, about who's going to be available on Sunday um, for the Browns as far as running backs go. But the one guy we know is going to be there is the Ernest Johnson. If you were the Browns, how would you use the Ernest Johnson this week? Well, I think, you know, that between the tackles and first, second down, I think he can catch the ball. I don't think he's as proficient as Kareem Hunt or Nick Chubb, but they'll probably come up with somebody else to be the third down back. It could be a guy that they elevate from the practice squad. They have Dexter Williams and Brian Hill, who they added this week to the practice squad. If one of the, if, John Kelly, Demetri Felton, or Nick Chubb do not come off the COVID list, you know, then I think at least one of those backs would be elevated. But you might see Anthony Schwartz being used a little more, maybe out of the backfield, or Jarvis Landry. He's been in the backfield a few times. So I think they'll they'll adjust to it. Um, but Johnson, I think, can can handle the role if need be. You got your two fullbacks as well. I don't know if they'll use them in the passing game. Although Johnny Stanton, who's on the practice squad, was a quarterback in in college, but I doubt if he'll get elevated um, to be the pass-catching third-down fullback. So there you have it. Yeah, it, uh, I think the number one thing they would want out of uh, whoever uh, they, they have it besides Dearness Johnson is, uh, is, is blocking. They just want somebody uh, who can – you know, get in the way on uh, on third down. Maybe Johnny Stanton will be that guy. We'll see. Uh, run blocking is a very different skill set than pass blocking as far as running backs are concerned. A question from the chat. Uh, we talked about it a little bit uh, with Brad. Uh, how's Jarvis doing? Is he healthy? Uh, he's been limited in practice, but he has practiced. Uh, how have, uh, what have you heard about Jarvis? Well, I think he's fine. He um, didn't practice yesterday, but today was out there running routes. I posted a little video of him. Uh, in the little bit we get to see, you know, he looked fine running routes. I think it's just, you know, with a lot of these veteran guys that, that are dinged up, it's just maintenance. I fully expect him to play. I fully expect uh, most of the guys on that injury report to play. I heard you talk with Baker Mayfield. You know, he said he will play. I wrote a story about it. Alex Van Pelt said he expected him to play. He played through the foot injury. Um, said it wasn't a big deal at all. So, no, I I think that you know the good sign with Clowney. I think he'll he'll um, play because last the last couple of weeks he hasn't even been practicing. He's actually practiced the last two days. Tack McKinley's. You know, I saw him leave when we came out for the for the open part of practice. He's still dealing with that groin injury. But most of these guys have been playing through it, so hopefully that'll be the case Sunday because they're going to need, you know, everybody on defense, you know, all hands on deck. Absolutely. Now, Mac Jones is maybe um, sort of a unique case as far as the rookie quarterbacks go, uh, mostly because it, it feels like he was really the only one who was put into a good situation uh, for a rookie. The other one's kind of expected to do a lot. Uh, in general, uh, how would you attack a rookie quarterback, especially one coached by Bill Belichick? This has got to be kind of a unique scenario for the Browns. Well, I think he's thrown seven interceptions. I think, you know, 
even though he's only po- he's only played nine games, so he hasn't seen everything. And I think it's on Joe Woods. He talked about being, you know, aggressive and and maybe continue. Last week I thought it was a great game plan. I think that, you know, they'll obviously see that on film, but I think it's on them to disguise. And I would send. I like seeing Troy Hill coming from the corner. You know, you know, you you got JOK can do that. You got Delpit can do that. John Johnson, a couple other guys. You got your corners, Denzel Ward as well as Troy Hill. So I would just, I would just send guys at random and put the pressure on him. He doesn't want to, you know, hang on to the ball and he, he does a lot of dink and dunk. And I think if you can uh, get JOK or Delpit or somebody to mirror the, the back out of the backfield, if it's Brandon Bolden or, or whoever, I know Damian Harris has not practiced yet this week with the concussion. So if tomorrow he's still in concussion protocol, I would think there's a good chance that he will not play. But I know Brandon Boland is a veteran. He would probably play a lot. And he's a back out of the backfield, catches passes. So I think that's – if you can cover those guys and then force you know Jones to look down the field, I think that's when you can get him with your pass rush. So I look for him to disguise and show him some things that he hasn't seen. Yeah, and well, one thing that he hasn't seen is, is Miles Garrett as well. So uh, hopefully, Miles Garrett uh, is is going to be healthy on Sunday because that's going to be a really difficult task for any rookie quarterback. How much he would disrupt the timing. Uh, quick question from the chat: uh, Any word on testing for Chubb? Are they unable to share that daily? I believe that is a, a lot of the players said. Uh, oh, I can't disclose whether I'm vaccinated or not because of HIPAA, uh, which was not correct. But I believe this is one of the things that actually is HIPAA. They can't. Uh, the only person who can disclose that information is Nick Chubb. Am I, am I correct on that? Yeah, the the team releases nothing. There was nothing released today that anybody was added to the COVID uh, list. So, so that is good news. the The only thing that I do not can't get a clarification is if somebody's on the COVID list, like Chubb and Felton and those guys when they say nobody tested positive, I'm assuming they mean guys that are not on the COVID list because you, you know, if they tested, if they were negative, like the rest of the team, then you would think there'd be a good chance for them to get back on the field. But I don't, I don't think they're counting them. And so I just don't know when you go across the line of symptoms, no symptoms. And so, I think it's still kind of a long shot, you know, but you hope you can get one of them back. I would think Kelly would be the most likely because he started, you know, a week ago or something. So we'll see. Yeah, he's his his case is a little bit older. I mean, just just from a general sense, the way, way we saw with Miles Garrett last year, uh, even if they're not available this week, you hope uh, none of them have any long term effects. Uh, and and if you think conditioning wise, they might not be ready on Sunday. Um, that's definitely something that is going to be individual cases. I think it's not just going to be, oh, he tested negative. Let's go. Let's run him out. You got to see how they feel first of all. Um, well, it's you tough have for- that. Oh, sorry, go ahead. You know, I'll just say this. You know, with Nick Chubb, he just he's such a great back, and he he you know he was really going well. Then he has the calf, and he just it took him a little while. The Steelers, then he got it all going again, and then boom, you know it. You feel bad for him as well as the team. He's such a big part that he keeps getting derailed. Yeah, uh, I I think the hope is 
let's get these out of the way and hopefully you know weeks 14 15 16 17 and i guess there's a week 18 now uh that nick chubb will be ready to go you actually have uh some first-hand knowledge of this uh they do change the way they practice when they have uh these covid cases uh wh- what are the changes that they had to make to their practices this week and do you think it's something that could impact the game on sunday well as far as media available, everything's Zoom. The only thing that we're allowed to see is we can watch the 20 minutes of stretching and individual drills on the practice field. But I didn't see guys on the stationary bikes like normal, so they must have that somewhere else in the building. Um, and so it's just kind of a – I know they're tested every day now when they're in these enhanced protocols. So that – like I said, nothing was added or taken off the list. So at least that was a positive. Nobody was added. Cause I would think at this point, anybody added would be out for the game. And so, you know, you're, you're looking at, you know, the, the opportunity that you, you just hope you get a little bit of reinforcements back. I think the good thing is it happened early in the week. It wasn't like the Jets. If you remember, it was when they were going to the plane last year on Saturday and they lost all the wide receivers. So at least they had a chance to add some guys to the practice squad. So probably see them, at least one of them, backing up Dearness if nothing changes. Yeah, and I think uh, I think with Browns fans, maybe a little bit less where, you know, missing Nick Chubb is, is never going to be good for any game ever. But I think uh, a little bit less worry after what we saw. Dearness Johnson do uh, against a pretty solid Broncos defense. Uh, anything else you think is going to be key for this game coming up on Sunday that we haven't covered yet? No, I think that, you know, it could be very similar to the Broncos, you know, game. You got Dearness Johnson, you got the defense on them to, and the only difference was Case Keenum played. And so, yeah, Baker Mayfield looks like he's comfortable in his harness now and was throwing it downfield. So, no, I think I think one of the things came out about the defense again is Joe Woods almost and the players were like, hey, it kind of maybe we should be a little more aggressive. And uh, hopefully they can stack last week, you know, with what they did that complete game and carry it over to this week against the Patriots because I think they're going to need it. I think that if the defense is the key, if they can control Mac Jones, turn the ball over, I think they have a good chance to come out with a win absolutely uh i think we got time for one last question while we're waiting for uh jake burns to hop in as uh, steven likes to say he's dealing with the uh the three-foot terrorist in his uh in his household before we can get him on uh but we have a question from cpa gamer in 1990 somebody who i actually know uh from from some other twitch channels so Welcome, friend. Uh, he asks, when do, you, when do you think we will know if Chubb is playing 10 minutes before the game? You have said that uh, one of those two negative consecutive tests um, that he needs to have can come on game day someday. Is that, uh, Sunday. Is that just going to come with the, uh, the rest of the inactives? Yeah, they have to declare 90 minutes before the game. So, you know, 1 o'clock game, it's 1130. But, you know, I don't know the logistics there. Like if he has his first, if he were to be negative on Saturday when the team flies out, can he fly? I guess he would, he would have to fly separately to, you know, Foxborough, you know, or up there. And, and then if he had the test on Sunday. And so 
I don't know. I mean, you, you hope it gets done earlier than that. I think the key is the symptom issue. Does he have symptoms or not? Because if, if his symptoms were gone and he, and he tested negative, you know, even tomorrow he could do it again Saturday and then go with the team. But, you know, it seems like it's cutting it close if he still has symptoms because he's got to get a negative test before, well, I would say <laughs> Saturday's your last shot. Yeah. All right. Uh, so we will either move on to Jake or uh, we might move to uh, the web dork here in just a second before we let go. Yeah. What is, uh, what is going to be your prediction for the, um, for the game on Sunday? What do you got? Oh, it's hard to predict these games. You know, I am seven two, by the way. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I think that, you know, they're going to find a way. I think the defense is going to come up big again. And I think they'll find a way to to win this week. I'm going to say, you know, similar to, to the uh, to the Broncos game, I, I see it more like 24-21, close game, a little lower scoring. But I think the defense is on them to – clamp down Mac Jones and company. Sounds good. Uh, you heard it here first. Put your bets in. Uh, and uh, as <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's uh, as long as they do what they did last week and listen to uh, what Fred Greetham has been telling them to do, the Browns should be okay this Sunday coming against the Patriots. Thank you for joining us, Fred. Uh, have, a, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you on Sunday. All right. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think we had a, a little bit of uh, some internet problems there at the end, but thanks as always to Fred. Always great stuff. Uh, make sure to go ahead and check the VOD from yesterday for OBR Weekly. He had some uh, some stories about when Bill Belichick was the coach of the Cleveland Browns, which were which were very interesting. I recommend everybody go back and check those out. Uh, now we are going to bring in our film expert, Jake Burns. Uh, he is going to talk about the uh, Patriots. We're going to talk about the opposing team as we do every week. Jake, how are you doing? 
Good, Ian. How are you? Uh, I'm doing. I'm doing great. Uh, I have not unplugged my mic accidentally yet, so it's already going better than I thought it was going to go. So, uh, you know, fingers crossed that stays the same. If you can see me barely moving, that's why. Because if I move too far in the wrong direction, my mic will unplug and the entire thing will explode. So, uh, hopefully, that doesn't happen. Uh, Patriots. Um, a really weird team, I think. Uh, you know, rookie quarterbacks, you don't really know too much about it. You got your Bill Belichick defense. You have some questions on the schedule because they've basically just piled up a lot of points against the Jets, and then everything else has been a kind of, a kind of middle of the pack. It's these middle of the pack teams that are kind of the hardest ones to really get a gauge on. Uh, let's, let's start with the offense, and uh, we'll start with Mac Jones. Uh, what do you expect from this Patriots offense on Sunday? Uh, they're weird. I mean, I think you kind of laid it pretty well there that they're it, although we're what this is week 10 there's still a bunch of teams that we don't really know who they are and week nine didn't help it was it was a circus of upsets and <laughs> things people didn't yeah, jacksonville see taking out the, the yeah. number one seed in the afc for some reason for sure there's there's a whole bunch of unknown around the nfl still which is crazy to be this late in the season and uh and, and still be saying these things but yeah new england's weird man they were two and two and four and a lot of people were thinking about writing them off justifiably so they didn't look very good but then they've rattled off three straight here now against interesting competition nonetheless but it's it's three straight wins and they played dallas tough so they're they're good i mean it's just like any bill belichick team i would presume for the rest of his career they're just going to always be competitive they're never going to be able to maybe get back over the hump that to the places they were with tom brady involved but i but i do think they're always going to be obviously well coached I do think they're going to do a lot of things really well, and I don't think this team's any different. They just really lack a lot of firepower offensively. I think Mac Jones is fine. He's grading pretty well for his rookie year, but there are definitely scenarios where you know that Mac Jones can be pressured in terms of pulling his eyes off of his first read and getting him a little rattled. Now, if you give him open throws and you give him defined reads, he'll be able to take advantage of them, but if you can muddy the picture the way the Browns have been doing a nice job of lately, uh, they'll have a chance to excuse me, they'll have a chance to get after him. So I I expect that they'll do some of the things to try to confuse them, some different coverages. The Browns played more cover two than I've seen them play. And I haven't seen them play any neutral field cover two before last week. And then they did 14 snaps a man and they got some cover six. in. so they're doing different things, which should help. I mean, after Mac Jones, I think it's, it's not a deep skill group. Um, You know, I don't think that they, they have a lot of the names that people remember, but even the names that are there are just kind of like people that have been almost cast off from other locations. I'm sure we're going to go through some of them, but uh, when you look at like sheer firepower of their offense, I don't see a deep group here that should really make you fear them as the Browns may be coming off last week with which was Cincinnati's group that was really good. So we'll see how how high the um, the appropriate fear is, as I like to say, but I think if Cleveland does the things they're supposed to do and avoid the coverage bust that they've been getting better at lately, uh, they have a really good chance to keep New England in check, which they'll need to because of the, you know, the the uncertainty around Nick Chubb and the offense a little here too. Yeah, let's talk about the skill players a bit because last week, you know, a lot of the talk was around Jamar Chase and you know how he really did take the top off of a lot of defenses. Browns did a, a relatively good job. You know, there was a couple of passes that. Uh, maybe should have been completed that weren't, but mm-hmm. for the most part, did a solid job as far as covering the deep ball. Patriots offense is, is almost the, the polar opposite of uh, of Jamar Chase. You know, they have Nelson Aguilar who can who can maybe go deep a little bit, but that's 
that's not the number one guy they're really looking for, right? They, they did bring in both these tight ends. They have the running back. So uh, what about these skill positions in the offensive line for the Patriots on offense? Yeah, if you look at them by their like receiving grades, it's it's a, it's a mixed bag. I mean, they, they definitely try to get Jacoby Myers involved. They definitely try to get, um, you know, like you said, Nelson Aguilar involved. Those two have been the primary target guys in the wide receiver position as Jacoby Myers leads them with 69 targets, 49, 46 catches, 435, but he hasn't found the end zone yet this year. So his receiving grade is fine, 70.9. He's a slot guy primarily. Hunter Henry uh, leads the group in touchdowns. We know Hunter Henry from his days with Phillip Rivers and the Chargers as he battled injuries to end his time with the Chargers. He's, he's good. He's fine. But he's like, you know, Pat Fryermuth type. He's not a world-beating Kelsey or Darren Waller type, but he's a respectable NFL tight end. He's got 38 targets, 27 catches, five touchdowns. And like I said, the next four guys are all in the 30s. Nelson Aguilar's 38 targets. Kendrick Bourne, uh, who's their outside, primarily outside guy, he's got a little bit more movement skills. He's got 36 targets. Jonu Smith, their second tight end, uh, has 32 targets. And then it's the running backs that they get involved in 24, 14, and 13 targets for Brandon Bolden, James White, Damian Harris. So listen, it's not going to be a team that's going to say we can just run routes that run past you. I think they're going to be very schemed up. They're going to try to really confuse what they expect the Browns to do. Like if the Browns get a three by one look and they know the Browns like to check to certain things in three by one, they're going to try to use routes that uh, they give the Browns trouble, some trade releases, some motion things that give the Browns some fit. So this could be a game where you get a little frustrated as a fan because there are some coverage busts in terms of the short areas of the field. And those open up some throws that you, you're like, man, how did he get open? So I hope that doesn't happen, but I would expect new England understands their skill position group. Isn't going to be able to just run fades like Jamar chase does and run past you. They're going to have to get creative, run some RPOs, run some of those different things, which I suspect they will and give themselves a chance to, uh, to create some opportunities. If that makes sense. Yeah, I, I mean, it's uh, Patriots and McDaniels have been uh, really good at, at maximizing the amount of talent they've had for a while, uh, and we'll, we'll see if they continue doing that. They're still working we'll, we'll in. Touch, we'll, we'll touch real quick, too, Ian, on uh, I should have had Sp Sports Info Solutions up, too, about what they tendency-wise. They use more 21 and 22 personnel than a lot of teams in the league. They're fifth most in per usage of those two personnels. They like to use 11 personnel a lot, but they're a lot of 11 personnel is not a ton. It's only 22nd in the league. They do a ton of motion like Cleveland, second most motion in the league. They don't run a ton of shotgun, 28th in the league. Uh, they do a little more play action than Cleveland. They're 18th in the NFL, but they're not a short drop back percentage. They don't design rollouts. They run a lot of gap runs. So their Browns are first in gap runs in the NFL and New England is second. So, I mean, there's not huge tendency stuff here, but um, you know, they're I just like typical New England will throw to the ball to the running backs a lot. They'll get those guys involved. They'll make you play the middle of the field with Johnny and Hunter Henry. And they're going to expect you to be able to counter sort of some of the little things they do schematically that could give you a fit. So they're going to try to create a way to get to 24 points. Like that's their goal every week. Yeah. And uh, I think uh, one of the things that I remember looking when I was doing some, uh, some preparation earlier this week is mm -hmm. in terms of average depth of target, average depth of, the average depth of completion it was, uh, Mac Jones was actually lower than Davis Mills. Uh, yeah. So that kind of tells you, maybe it's not quite as bad as Ben Roethlisberger, where he, he can barely throw the ball past 10 yards. But uh, <laughs> they're going to be working the middle of the field with those tight ends, uh, thrown out of the backfield a lot. They're not going to ask Mac Jones to do a ton. 
when do you have uh, situations like that where there's going to be a lot of these short passes, a lot of the middle passes? Um, how do you take advantage of the offensive line, say what the Patriots have? Patriots don't have uh, the worst offensive line, don't have the best. The rest of their sort of roster sort of middle of the pack. Um, how do you take advantage of that when the passes are coming out that quickly? Well, it's hard. I mean, you, what you need to do is bump up your aggressiveness, which Joe Woods mentioned today about getting people in the face of wide receivers a little bit more. But being aggressive to the flat, quick triggering there, taking away some of those easy throws as best you can and make Mac Jones beat you down the field because they don't they don't want to do that. Their offensive line is it's not like you said, it's not it's not the best in the NFL, but it's it's fine. I mean, Shaq Mason, Michael uh, Onwenu does a great job for them. One of the better run blocking graded um, tackles in the NFL's done fantastic work. I believe he was a six round pick out of Michigan just a couple years ago, still young, playing great football. And then they have Ted Karras and, and Trent Brown. They've I'm uh, sorry, Trent Brown's moved on. I'm trying to make sure I have the right guys. Um, did uh, David Andrews? Sorry, David Andrews was there. Is their center? They're they're well coached. I mean, they don't have Dante Scarnecchia anymore to run the offensive line, but they still do a good enough job. So it's uh. You know, the Patriots often shouldn't beat you. The Browns have, have had, what, 14, 15, and 16 in three straight weeks. So if they can hold New England to 17, you'd feel like they have a really good chance to win this game if they can keep going in order there. Yeah, and let's, uh, uh, real quick, one more question uh, on the Patriots offense and move over to the defense as well. If anybody in the chat has any questions for Jake, feel free to throw them in there about uh, uh, either the Patriots or the Browns. Um, and then this has kind of been the talking point. Uh, a, a lot of a lot of brief mentions every time we're talking about anything is Browns might get JOK. Not might they will get JOK back this week. It's just a question of how much he's going to play. Uh, how would you let's let's just talk hypothetical. Say JOK is a hundred percent. They're going to use him fully. How would you deploy him against this sort of offense? Well, I would probably keep him aligned in only certain packages. They really, really started to expand him into every down backer. I mean, before he got hurt, he was playing. I think in that Cardinals game, he played close to 60 snaps. So I would probably try to keep him in however many nickel snaps you use. Uh, Keep him as your will linebacker. If he's healthy enough to go, um, you know, he's off the IR, but we got to see if he can officially play. But yeah, like something like 25 to 30 snaps again, get him back into the, the feel of things and uh, he's a he's a great player in terms of what they like to do with their linebackers and fallback and slinging the run fits and making people miss inside the tackle box. So he's um he's he's a special guy. We saw to see those special traits uh, by the time he was unfortunately hurt in that game. But I would think that you should, if he's able to go anywhere from like eighteen to twenty five, eighteen to thirty snaps would be the range I would expect him to play. Uh, but it all depends on how the ankle feels. If they they trust it and they feel good about it. It could, it could certainly be more it just depends on situational football. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. Let's move on to the other side of the ball. Uh, this is a place where uh, we don't have to be as, you know, sort of uh, held back in terms of our praise. The Patriots have some, have some players on defense and obviously mm-hmm. they have some coaches on defense. So uh, let's, uh, let's uh, talk about, we'll start up front. Let's, uh, Let's, let's start with the, the new guy up front, which is Christian Barmore. Um, how is he and the rest of the Patriots defensive line uh, shaping up so far this year? Well, Barmore has 23 pressures, 18 hurries, uh, four hits, and a sack. He started to really come on of late. I think he started slow, uh, but which was to be expected. He was a late bloomer in football to begin with. So he's an effective interior player, plays with nice speed, uh, nice speed rush uh, that he was really, really good with at Alabama. He The Browns. Newly minted and paid offensive guards and their wily veteran center will have their hands full in this one in terms of being able to handle him 
but but again, they've seen better interior players at the same time. It's just a matter of doing their job, right? Um, otherwise, up front, I think it comes down to uh, handling Matthew Judon, who's 44 pressures on the year. He has 10 sacks, five hits, and 29 hurries. The Browns are very familiar as an organization with playing against Judon, obviously, from his time in the division. Uh, he's a good player. He's, he's passed rush grade to 78.1. He's doing really good things for them. Um, otherwise, up front, they play a bunch of guys whose names you probably don't even know. Deatric Wise, they play up front uh, along the defensive interior. Other guys, uh, well, we, we do know a couple names, but not the names that you've known over the years. Devin Gotchow is still playing for him. Uh, Carl Davis gets a couple snaps here and there. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, as far, as far as, like, looking at total – it fits on both run and pass. Lawrence Guy gets some snaps. It's been it's been a bunch of faces that have come and gone. Some have come back. Jamie Collins has come back, and Kyle Vinoy has come back. So yeah, I mean Dante Hightower. They'll play when they play more base. He hasn't played a ton. He's not grading all too well, but Dante Hightower is still an effective football player at second level. Like we said, Vinoy. They just brought back Jamie Jamie Collins. I don't know if Jamie Collins will see any time in this one or not, but. They like to play a lot of defensive backs too. So, you know, you got Devin McCourty, J.C. Jackson, guys that we know. J.C. Jackson's kind of taken over Stephon Gilmore's role as their guy. Uh, they've started to play a uh, youngster in the nickel position named Miles Bryant, who's played really well for them as uh, of late, who's had a 79.4 coverage grade. Uh, he's done really well in his uh, 145 snaps. They play three safeties a lot, so that means they bring in Kyle Duggar, who's a guy that they drafted a couple years ago, second-round pick. Very athletic player. He'll be their third safety. Um, Adrian Phillips is their second and primarily on the field is the second safety beside McCourty. He's got a nice grade this year. Listen, what they do is they try to get after you in the secondary. They're a high-volume man-to-man team. I don't have those numbers right in front of me. I can pull them up here in just a second. But they really do like to get up and pressure you and make you uncomfortable, typically among the leaders in man-to-man coverage uh, marks season-to-season. And that's because they like to get after. And usually that translates from coaches uh, that Bill has coached across the league. I mean, they're fourth in man to man percentage, which is a 40.2% of the team they play man. Uh, that's high volume, very high volume. I mean, for comparison's sake, the Browns play 17.7% of man to man coverage. So expect the Browns, you know, Donovan Peoples Jones, Anthony Schwartz, whoever else they want to put on the field, Richard Higgins, Jarvis Landy, whoever's healthy enough to go they will have to beat man-to-man coverage, right? Like that's going to be the thing. They're always – New England is always going to pressure you up front, and they're always going to get in your face and have no fear of playing you in man-to-man. So, again, they're not as dynamic as they have been in years past, but they will make you uncomfortable. So how do you get off of that uncomfortable stuff um, and, 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 and be able to find some answers offensively? A lot of it too. That's why I really hope Nick can play because they don't, they don't defend the run all too well. They don't, they don't, they have not had much success being consistent in run defense. So I would really like to find a way for Nick to play because I think he could be in for a really big day. Um, but yeah, we'll see how it shakes out. I expect the Browns to use their tight ends plenty as usual and try to create a couple downfield shots with uh with both of their speed guys, uh Peoples Jones and Schwartz, and try to get a big play or two and get get some cheap points. But overall, you know, I expect this to be a low scoring game. Like to me, a 17-13 final is very much in the realm of possibility here. Uh, you know, as long as the Browns take care of the football, they should win this game. Again, they have to take care of the Rock, but I, I but I think I could see anywhere 20 to 13, something like that, where the Browns hold New England to a couple field goals and a touchdown and are able to get in the end zone a couple times and kick a couple of their own field goals. So something like that, 20 to 13, is where I kind of feel like it should be.
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. That I mean that sounds good to me as long as we're we're not on that 13 side. Um mm-hmm. so, uh and it should be it should be interesting. Anthony Schwartz was I think that was surprising last week when you look at the snap counts was that Anthony Schwartz was the number three guy over Richard Higgins. Uh, mm-hmm. And if the Patriots are playing quite a bit of man to man, I I don't expect that you'll see that change this week. If if they're gonna uh, play man to man, send him on a send him on a go route a couple of times and you know make him think. Um, let's have a let's bring in. This isn't so much a question, but we'll 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 phrase this a little bit differently. Uh, certainly, a lot of criticism uh, for Joe Woods so far. Uh, some of it justified, some of it not about how he's used the defense. One of the things that you talked about was quarters, how he had them playing quarters coverage a lot, and the Browns were just not very good at it. Was that something that changed last week? Did they do less of it, or were they just better at it? Uh, it's changed. The number has gone down. Um, they're playing more cover three. They're trying to cut the middle of the field. Um, so you know, I think he's done a really nice job of adjusting. I think he wants to do more quarters. I think he definitely has had a had a had a really. Uh, I, a, 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 an idea of what he wanted to do with the personnel. And since they've had some issues, he has adjusted to what he wants to do a little bit more. He has definitely never been a man-to-man press corner guy, but he's starting to realize and give trust out to the people that he's around now and give them more opportunity to do those things. So I think, I think there's a really high chance he's going to keep evolving. The quarters have gone down. The cover three has gone up. He sprinkled in cover two, more man-to-man cover one stuff. I think he's going to keep trying to be unpredictable and try to get less and less, um, you know, checks to certain things that are on the field alignments and stuff like that, and really try to find balance and keeping people off kilter, not through blitzing and pressures, but keep them off kilter by varying the coverages and the approach that they go with in the secondary. So that's how I think they're going to be deceptive. Some teams blitz, some teams like, like, like Cleveland don't blitz, but they can be deceptive in different ways because they do trust their guys up front that they're going to win enough reps to get with four alone. And if you can drop seven and get pressure with four, you should do a nice job defending the pass. So that's where I think they're trending to right now. All, all that sounds good to me. Um, Joe Woods, I'm not sure what he, he can do to make uh, the criticism go away. Um, definitely been some pretty solid defensive performances over the past couple of weeks. And, you know, he he really has been doing uh, some different things. You know, we saw the corner blitzes from Troy Hill, but that's not the first time they've they've started. You know, bringing uh bringing sort of surprise blitzes this year. And um, when you when you're getting home with four, and then you bring an extra guy, uh, that guy is gonna be a free runner sometimes, and that's uh that's a big deal. Um, I think we should be uh should be all set. Uh, Jake, uh, predictions. Uh, if you have a prediction yet, you don't have to. Um, 
for uh, for the game on Sunday. How do you think this is gonna this is gonna turn out? Yeah, that 2013 number I said just a little bit ago is kind of where I've settled in. It's uh, it's it's not. I say that I've been I've been really sort of on track this year with games I thought could be more high scoring than what people think, but this one to me feels like New England will give Cleveland's offense some fits, and I think Cleveland's defense has a chance to really mess with Mac Jones. So I do think it's going to be a low scoring game. Could be that. I feel I feel like I'll stick with that 20 to 13 number. Cleveland wins it uh, on the road and and uh, starts to feel really good about themselves coming back for Detroit. Yep. Even if this is a this is a game where both offenses are clicking, it might be one of those that the offenses are doing great, and then you're surprised to see like a 24-20 scoreline yep. because both of these teams really want to play ball control. Uh, yep. So we will uh, we will see. Hopefully, uh, hopefully the Browns can uh, can take it. I think that's that's two and zero for Browns predictions so far. Which is I'm not sure if that makes me feel better or worse based on how our predictions have gone this year. But uh, thanks for your time, Jake. Thanks for joining us. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk to you a little bit on Sunday. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. And lastly, we are going to bring in the publisher of the OBR, the web dork and the owner of the most annoying dog in Northeast Ohio. Uh, that is Barry <laughs> McBride. Uh, and we are going to do our, we're back to our weekly. We had division games the past couple of weeks. So we had to maybe dial back on this a little bit, but we we're back to out of division. So we can, we can go back to having this segment where we basically just insult the rest of the teams in the AFC North. <laughs> and we'll start, we'll start with the easiest one to insult because uh, uh, of how they, how they went last week. they have a bye this week. Um, so not really much to talk about, but we're not going to let them off easy. The Cincinnati Bengals absolutely drubbed by the Cleveland Browns last week. Last week, since we don't have anything specific to talk about, they don't have a game coming up. Let's talk more general. Uh, is this an indication that maybe the Bengals were not for real, or do you think this was you know one of those games that just kind of happens sometimes? No, I, I think you know back to back with uh, their horrible performance against the Jets. Uh, it's it's pretty clear that the <clears throat> the Bengals are not for real, uh, at least not yet. Uh, they they certainly haven't proven it. Uh, I may take that back in the future, but uh, for now, uh, they're not a real team. They they sort of sort of look like a you know right now they look like they're just a fading team that is somewhere in the middle of the NFL. Right? If you look at the power rankings, they're they're always like fifteen or sixteen somewhere in the middle of the pack because they're barely over 500. Uh, I tend to think of this as, as a talented team uh, on offense uh, that is very young. And uh, when teams are young, it typically means that they are wildly inconsistent uh, and make a lot of mistakes. And I think that describes the Cincinnati Bengals pretty well uh, at this point in time. Um, it, it, they've, they've got some significant talent. Uh, in my view, they the one thing that the Bengals have historically been good at uh, is is being horrible. And uh, <laughs> they were horrible at exactly the right time to draft Joe Burrow. And that is the best thing that's ever happened to them. He has real talent, although he's been turnover prone uh, the last few weeks. And he's got to get that straightened out quickly. They've got a trio of good receivers. Jamar Chase could be a great receiver. Uh, Joe Mixon is talented, whatever you think of him. Uh, the offensive line, it's improving. It's getting better. Uh, I still think I'm one of those who still think they should have drafted a tackle when they had it all set up for them. But you can't argue with what Jamar Chase has done this year. Um, I think they're pretty good on the offensive side of the ball if they can actually hold on to the ball. Um, but there's a lot of complaining in Bengal land pointing at the coaching staff. 
uh, for not being innovative uh, and not being consistent. Um, they seem to think of Jamar Chase as a guy who can solely run long and get the ball thrown to him, sort of like Randy Moss, right? Yeah. And uh, uh, they need to maybe move him around, try some different things with him, free up some of the other receivers, so on and so forth. As far as the defense is concerned in Cincinnati, they're they're getting worse, and they miss a lot of tackles. Uh, they missed twice as many tackles as the Browns did last week. They also let Mike White throw for 400 yards against them. Baker Mayfield spent a good chunk of the game with a perfect passer rating against him. You, you, you can't do that and expect to be a playoff team, right? Yeah. Um, you know, Mayfield showed they're not only vulnerable to the short pass, they're vulnerable to the long pass as well with DPJ. Yeah. So the Bengals have a lot to work on, have a lot to work on at this point. Yeah, I think one of the surprises when, when I was, you know, looking some stats up about the Patriots is, I knew Joe Burrow has, you know, it was either league leading or close to league lead. I'm not, I don't remember exactly which in the interceptions. I, I assumed that was because the Bengals were doing what they did last year and they were throwing 60 times a game, but he has uh he actually has fewer pass attempts than Mac Jones, uh, fewer pass attempts, even than Ryan Tannehill, who, who most of the time is just turning around and handing it off to Derrick Henry. Although that's probably going to go up a little bit. So um, right. maybe, maybe a little bit of stuff to worry about there with Joe Burrow. Uh, my hope for the year is that they do just well enough to keep Zach Taylor for one more year and they miss out on Mike Zimmer, who is uh, almost certainly going to be looking for a new job because I do not want them to have Mike Zimmer. Not at all. I would like right. them to uh, not have Mike Zimmer. Uh, so, well, one more year is Zach Taylor. That's all, that's all I'm hoping for. Um, there's the good news out of the way. Let's go to the bad news. Uh, we'll go to the Ravens first, uh, as Jake Aptly puts it, the cockroaches, they do not go away. Uh, they seem to, they, they seem to, they're, they're one of those teams that, uh, seems to just do so much better when they're playing from behind. Uh, they just always make these ridiculous comebacks and then they'll make these last second field goals. And, uh, same thing happened last week. How'd they do? What are they looking at this week? Well, the Ravens, as you point out, were a team that uh, whose very existence is based around weaselly behavior, and they continue to find a way to weasel their way to victory uh, every single week. The unfortunate thing about the Cleveland for the Cleveland Browns this week is not only the Bengals on a bye, but the uh, Ravens and the Steelers both play horrible teams. So right now on Fox, a bunch of well-paid guys wearing suits are talking about the game, but I'll just tell you in one simple sentence what's going to happen, and that is that the Miami Dolphins are going to get pounded. Uh, this is the number one rushing attack versus the worst rushing attack in the league in the Miami Dolphins. Uh, and that's how you can expect this game to go. Um, you know, not only is Lamar Jackson amazing, you know, uh, running the football, uh, but Le'Veon Bell starting to get a little bit of traction. Devonta Freeman's getting a little bit of traction. They're starting to contribute. And, uh, they are a very difficult team to stop. Uh, on defense, not the Ravens that we're used to. Uh, they've given up a lot of big plays, but the Dolphins are not a team that generates a lot of big plays, right? Uh, I would yeah. assume, especially with Jacoby Brissett being the uh, starting quarterback uh, today. Uh, they're 30th in the NFL in offense. They are dead last in rushing, like I said. Uh, on the plus side for the, for the Dolphins tonight, if you want to have any hope at all, uh, the Ravens secondary is pretty banged up. Uh, Jalen Waddle starting to show signs of why he was regarded, you know, so highly. Uh, on defense, they still have Xavier Howard, who will try to shut down Hollywood Brown and sometimes be matched up with Rashad Bateman. Uh, so, you know, maybe there's a little bit of hope there. Uh, in terms of a pass rush, 
the Ravens haven't dominated like they used to. Um, but the Dolphins haven't stopped much of anyone from putting pressure on the cornerback. So it's sort of a movable object versus easily stoppable force there. Uh, I'm guessing that uh, two of the, the I'm, I'm guessing that the Ravens have the best chance of having the advantage there because of, you know, Brissett not playing every game, but uh, uh, hard to say where it's going to go in terms of putting pressure on the quarterback. Overall, Ravens favored to win by seven and a half, and they should be. Uh, I think they'll win by more than that. Uh, but I'm going to watch a stupid game after this show anyway, just to see how the Ravens weasel out a win this week. They they almost lost the Lions. They were they were a, a mm-hmm. you know a half a football rotation away from losing to the Lions. So uh, you know always a chance that the Ravens could uh, could end up losing the game. Miami Dolphins. Oh, that's. That Jalen Waddle, he, he better come on because uh, yeah. that's that's probably a top five pick they gave up uh, on top of the the first rounder to get Jalen Waddle, and that is going right. to hurt uh, if Jalen Waddle is is just another guy. Uh, we'll finish up uh, with the uh, the last game that happened, which was the absolute debacle on Monday night: uh, the Steelers against the Bears. One of the worst officiating uh, performances you will ever see, and 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 most of it was against the Bears. Uh, Anthony Reinhard uh, posted on Twitter, uh, the OBR Zone, uh, he posted on Twitter, it's not just your imagination. Uh, the Steelers are benefiting more from penalty luck than any team in the NFL, uh, and they did again on Monday against the Bears. Uh, I'll, I'll stop talking about it because I'm really mad. You can talk about it and be <laughs> mad about it too. I'm still mad about the Steelers being credited for a touchdown against the Seahawks in the Super Bowl uh, when it didn't happen, so... Uh, in terms of uh, anger management uh, regarding the Steelers, I'm probably not the, the best example. But, uh, you know, let's keep this short and simple. Uh, the Steelers play the Lions. Uh, they play the Lions at home. Uh, they're going to be 6-3 and three at the end of, uh, end of the game. Um, the Lions are nine-point dogs, just like with the Ravens. I picked the Steelers to do better than that. But, you know, at the same time, I don't think the Steelers are that great. I mean, they've, they've won a lot of close games. They've won four in a row now. I think the Browns should be embarrassed about their performance losing to them at home a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, the Steelers right now, they're saying all the right things about any NFL team being able to beat any other NFL team, you know, and all that sort of nonsense. Uh, but I have uh, three or four reasons the Lions might pull an upset. So, okay. um, I'm ready. Number one, number one, the Steelers are playing on a short week because of that Monday night debacle, right? Uh, the schedule makers would have the Cleveland Browns playing on the West Coast in a similar situation. But, of course, Steelers get to play at home, you know, in hanky-waving Heinz Field. Uh, but they are playing on a short week. Uh, Chase Claypool, not practicing, probably going to miss some games. He's going to miss this game. So that weakens, weakens them a little bit. Uh, at 0-8, the Lions, they got nothing to lose. They can try anything. They can onside yep. kick five times during this game uh, and have nothing to lose. So maybe that'll happen. And then finally, like I said, uh, the Steelers have won four in a row, all by very close scores. And it is high time for their luck with the referees or or others to just run out. So uh, while no one in the right mind would predict that the Lions could win this game, they do have some things going for them. And, you know, perhaps that game will be watchable this weekend. Well, I mean, the Lions are going to be unfavored in basically every game they play, but I can tell you right now, the Lions are the Lions are not going to go zero and seventeen. They're not that bad. Uh, they, you know, they can they they have almost won a couple of games already against some pretty solid teams. So as long as they, you know, don't 
completely uh, lose hope and move into desperation, uh, then I think the Lions are going to sneak out one of these unfavored games. And uh, hopefully it's against the Steelers and not against the Browns, because that's who we got next week. I would love to face, I would much, much rather face a uh, 1-8 Lions team than an 0-9 Lions team. Absolutely. So uh, we'll, we'll see how sense. that goes. We got the uh, the Ravens coming up here in about 20 minutes. You guys get to watch that game. We should be finished here at the round table. Where can they find you on Sunday? Uh, you and Fred Greetham. And uh, I don't know if anybody else is going to be there live, but I'm sure we'll have Steven and Jake and, uh, and Cody uh, phoning in. Yeah, they'll be phoning in. Brad, Brad hangs out with us as well uh, quite often. And uh, we will, of course, be at Old River uh, that people hear me pitch every week on OBR Weekly and, and elsewhere. Uh, it is in Rocky River, Ohio. They have fantastic food and uh, they have us up on their TVs as we're doing our pre and post games. Uh, and uh, during the game, if you want to talk to us about football, we'd love to talk uh, as the game goes on. And uh, you can uh, ride the Cleveland Browns roller coaster with us uh, live at uh, Old River uh, this Sunday. So we'd love to see some of you there. That's a one o'clock start, I believe. So we one o'clock start. One o'clock so starts, we will, so we'll be there earlier than that. We'll be there like at eleven when they when they first open. So we'll be hanging out and getting ready uh, pretty early in the day. Yep, and we'll be live here on uh, the Twitch TV slash the OBR underscore Browns at twelve p.m. for that game. Uh, that is all for us today. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, we will see you on Sunday for hopefully another Browns win. We will be there one hour before the game and immediately following. For the post game, we will be there with Baron uh, Bride, Fred, Greetham, Cody, Sook, Jake Burns, uh, and anybody else who would like to show up. So, uh, hope to see you there. Hope to see you then. And we will see you guys next week uh, for the roundtable. Uh, thanks for watching. I've been Ian McBride. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.